just if I want to get across, it's just how much pure fun you can have and how, how many meaningful relationships you can have um, creating together. Hello and welcome to Where the Living Room Used to Be, a podcast about Rhode Island's music scene. Hey everyone, it's James. I recently sat down with my friend and bandmate Christian Calderon to talk about his 30 plus years as an active musician, his experience working as a sound person at the Met and the Century Lounge back in the day, what it was like starting Liberty Fest, and how a young kid on Smith Hill may have helped to influence a line of Eastman guitars. We also take a deeper look at our band High Plains' new album Ghost Town, which is available on lathe cut vinyl, CD, and streaming everywhere on April 15th. Hope you enjoy this look back at Providence's music scene, Please follow Where the Living Room Used to Be on Facebook and Instagram, as I'll be posting some photos, videos, and show flyers from Christian Simon Music. Well, you know, my dad is is a acoustic guitar player and songwriter. Okay, yeah. And um, I grew up with sitting on the couch listening to him play music, and I mm-hmm. always loved the songs he wrote. Um, he wasn't prolific. He didn't have a lot of them at the time, but I loved the ones he had. And, you know, he would play some Beach Boys, uh, yeah. you know, off of Pet Sounds and stuff. And, and I was just wild about that. And he had a big old record uh, player, one of those built-in pieces oh, okay. of furniture. Yeah. I have it in my house now, and I've retrofitted it with another um, record player and hooked it up to the speakers so I, I can listen to albums through that. Yeah. And he had a collection of albums. He had um, most of the Beatles. I remember um, he had, uh, and, you know, some other seven, s- 60s. Like uh, he had a lot stuff. of yeah. 60s folk, uh, f- f- you know, the Kingston Trio and stuff. I, mm-hmm. I didn't really get into that too much. I, I, I like, you know, when, when I could go find, uh, you know, go find the Beatles or he had a Kinks album that was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was my introduction, really. And yeah. so I kind of grew up listening. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Centerdale. Okay. Uh, like the Johnston, North Providence line. Yeah. Smith, Smith Street was sort of um, yeah. the dividing line, Route 44. I, I lived in the Johnston side, and my grandparents lived um, about a mile away in North Providence. And okay. So I would ride my bike and spend a lot of time with my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather was the president of a public golf course, so I would I would work in the summers. Oh, that's, yeah, that's I would cool. sleep, wake up at five a.m. and go rake traps. And I had my headphones on, listen to music, uh, summer mornings. Is that's pretty cool. Wow, I haven't thought about that in a while, James. Yeah. You're good at this. <laughs> you were <laughs> yeah, like, what were you listening to then? Were you oh, uh, you know, t- did you make like mixtapes at the at the time, or did you? Uh... Yeah, I was, listen- I was I was young. I was listening to radio. I kind of okay. remember classic rock when I, you know, at that age. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Cool. A, it was like a. Do you have one of those Walkmans? Walkman. Like the, it was a Walkman. Yeah. Yeah, like the yellow Walkmans. Is that that's what I'm imagining? 
I remember that. I think mine but was I had, black. Like, I had the radio one, yes. but I was like, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, I, 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 that's sort of my introduction. So I was always around it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, played, I played basketball and baseball too. I mean, I, but I, I think, you know, when I really sort of switched into um, musician mode uh, was when I didn't make the, the baseball team freshman year in high school. Yeah, okay. And I, I was like, ah, you know what? All right, I'm done with yeah. sports. And um, then I kind of jumped into to, uh, to guitar, to electric guitar. Yeah, was um, that your first instrument? Was guitar? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, I, I went to LaSalle and LaSalle Academy in Providence, and uh, you know, I, I got involved with the music program, mm -hmm. but I couldn't play jazz. I couldn't write, I, read music. Mm -hmm. But the teacher Jim Lafitte, he he formed a rock band. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, and the rock band was really good. It featured Jay Burnt on drums. Really? Wow. <laughs> I yeah, I recruited Jay as a soft as a freshman. We took the bus together. Maybe a sophomore. He had really long hair in the front. Um, <laughs> new wave style. And uh, Jay Rigney, who's kind of a he's who's a professional metal musician wow, who's yeah. played all over Europe to mm -hmm. thousands of people in summer festivals. Um, so we had quite the band there at LaSalle. Yeah, yeah, you didn't even know it. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, and that's where I wrote uh, my first song. I think I was a sophomore or junior. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where I started to dabble and started okay. to write. Yeah, but even at that early early age you were into writing music yeah you know we were we were mainly you know we mainly did covers uh, mm -hmm. i would just we would um hurt people's ears trying to play message in a bottle and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but we we i started to integrate my own originals into that mm -hmm. and um you know that even at that time it was my favorite um it was my favorite part of the set were yeah with the original ones yeah. that we were doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what was the next step with that? Like, was it just a LaSalle band? It was or just you, a LaSalle band. Like, when but was like your band outside of LaSalle? Sure, so the first band, um, it started out as an acoustic act with Jeremy Sensor, who I met my senior year. Mm -hmm. I still play with, we still play with Jeremy in, in High Plains and and, you know, um, I've played with Jeremy. He's sort of my longest musical partner in yeah. life. And, um, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's br a brilliant musician. Um, what was that band? That band was the Cactus Band. And okay. we, would, um, we would write originals. We were both writing at the time. Mm -hmm. And we'd play covers and we'd go play, we'd go play local bars and parties. And we got paid for it. So... Um, that was sort of our, um, you know, our nighttime summer job. He was a lifeguard. I did a bunch of different things at the golf course. And then I, um, you know, I bagged groceries at the local convenience store. Mm -hmm. um, but we were playing, uh, I think we started the summer of our senior year. And then we played summers when we came back from college. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it was kind of funny because we were 17 playing um, you know, making like 50 or 75 bucks each a night. 
Wow. Um, they get they give us something to eat. Where were you playing? We played. Uh, uh, our steady gig was Potter's, which was an Apple Valley Mall. <laughs> in oh, uh, wow, all right. <laughs> over in Greenville. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Bob was an incredibly nice guy who actually had some connection. He just had some natural connections with the music industry. I, I remember uh, he was all excited one day when we went into play because his buddy Clarence was in the night before and he made him lobsters. Mm -hmm. He made him like five lobsters. Clarence Clemens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Clarence was in. Oh, he sees me every few years. Wow. Like, why did you call us, Bob? Well, he just dropped by unannounced. Um, <laughs> uh, and um, so we were 17, and, you know, Bob would ask, ask us, uh, you guys, can you drink? And we're like, no, 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 we were 17. But then the next summer, we were 21, so yeah. we, we were able to drink. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess he forgot that. 17 he does, comes 18. Was, yeah, he's like, you guys, are, you guys are 21 now, right? Like, of course. Yeah, we're 21. <laughs> so then we were able to drink yeah, while yeah. we played. And, you know, we didn't drink a lot, but it was, no, but it's still, it was awfully yeah, nice. The experience. Yeah, I got and we you. Would, yeah, we would pick up parties and, mm -hmm. and um, play electric too. But, you know, we were going to, back to college and stuff. So. And who else was in the band? Was it? It was just the two of just us at that okay. point. Okay. And were you both playing? We were just playing, both playing like, acoustic and harmonizing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. No, I dig that. Yeah, that was fun. And I, I did that at college, too. Um, made some money um, playing acoustic songs. Yeah. And in school. And yeah. And roughly what year was this when you were like, <laughs> active with the Cactus Band? Uh, like, the Cactus Band was, was, you know, early 90s. Okay. And then, you know... Um, and then after school, you know, I moved to, uh, the Lower East Side in Manhattan and, um, lived there for a while. Uh, and, you know, then Jeremy and I moved to, well, actually before, before I moved to Manhattan, we moved to, uh, we, we intended on playing music and, um, you know, forming a band and, and, and doing that for a while. You know, but but life took different turns, mm -hmm. um, and we ended up working at in the Hamptons. <laughs> like I, we we each had like three to, three jobs to like pay rent, but you know we were able to play over there in 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 bars and make money too. Cool. So it's always been a nice part time job for us, kind of, yeah. and have a lot of fun. Yeah, like what would what would you say your songwriting style was early on? Ah, um, you know, early on it was acoustic. Yeah. Um, like three chords it was i've mm -hmm. always been a lyric guy i've yeah, okay. always i've always um really emotionally connected with with lyrics and and, yeah. and songs and, and songwriters who i love um but then i went through a spell you know right after this where i was i guess i was listening to like sabado and more like experimental or, or garage rock stuff. And yeah. I, I, I was overcomplicating. I was really complicating stuff. I was writing, like just figuring out fingerings that were strange. Mm -hmm. Every song had like 10 parts to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I did that for a while. And I, I also spent a long time playing in different tunings and not playing in a standard guitar tuning. Yeah. I've vastly simplified what I do in the yeah. last 10, 15, 20, yeah, 15 years though. I, 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 I've 
learn to appreciate simplicity. Okay. And, um, yeah, yeah. I'd rather layer other instruments and other melodies and other, you know, harmonic things going on than yeah. just try to do it all with one guitar with fancy fingerings and then uh, with so many changes, you know. Yeah. Make, it, it, it's, I, I'm more of a melody guy anyway, so those complicated changes, I, I sort of, uh, it was a phase of mine. Yeah. But, um, you know, then I moved back from from New York and sort of uh, picked, picked up with um, some friends like, you know, filmmakers and other musicians around town um, and, you know, started hanging out at the Safari Lounge. Um, yeah. Kind of before, before Jimmy had like, a lot of bands in there, they'd all be like, you know, he'd have well, every two weeks, he'd have like a old blues band or something. But, um, you know, and then everybody, all my friends at that point ended up bartending there. Mm -hmm. um, I never, I never worked there, but I used to bring, uh, Jimmy would trust me with the bank and I'd, I'd take the cash to the bank and deposit it for him. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when he, when he was getting, the first time when he was getting evicted, we, um, you know, I went to court. I was kind of between jobs at the time. So I'd go to court with them and, 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 and help understand, uh, you know. And, and so the group of friends, we, we all sort of put our energies together to try mm -hmm. to save um, the safari. And there were a ton of other people involved. It was, that, was a, that was a great time. Yeah. Well, can you talk a little bit more about what? Uh, what your experience was at the safari and some of the music that you saw there and and uh, yeah just you know yeah why, well, why it was worth saving you know I, you know I, I was in a band at the time that you know before that the sort of early living room days uh, mm -hmm. I was I was playing in a band called Bellwether and okay. Jeremy was in that band and we and what, would like, play when was this like what oh, this was this was um, mid nineties okay and. You know, we would play with like Smudge okay. before they were Kilgore. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Jeremy named Kilgore Kilgore. Oh, really? Yeah. After uh, after uh, Kurt Vonnegut, um, Kilgore Trout, um, and you know, we play we play with Mixelplex, uh, mm -hmm. Tara Stevenson, now Tara Hansen's band, and yep. Ara's band. Um, we play with Gregory Rourke, Scrub Technique. So yeah. those were those were fun days. That was before the Safari, and I, I just mentioned those because those those were a fun time in the in the music um, local music community because shows were very diverse back then. Yeah, in yeah. in in, in, ter in terms of style. So you didn't. It wasn't just a genre night where it's just all heavy. Yeah. Um, and I, I used to like that because you know you'd have Mixoplex who played this really interesting sort of uh almost mathy um uh, bordering on funk with tara you know just being an amazing front front person mm -hmm. you know and then you have real heavy with with smudge and we were like a pop we were like a pop rock band like an in early indie band okay you know i kind of always gravitated towards the indie stuff yeah yeah but then with the safari um you know my friends started working there like brian tracy um, Mike Delahante, um, Jimmy started doing more music. I remember Brian built the stage there and, 
you know, I was in a band at the time, I think during those years, it was the Noodles, which was um, a band I was in with Joe Lucy, who is the person who started Liberty Fests because mm-hmm. he owned the properties and he had it on, on, on our street, on Duke Street. And, um, you know, Otto D'Ambrosio, the, mm-hmm. the guitar, the luthier, my, one of my closest friends. He's out in California now. Krista Giulio was the drummer. Uh, Kelly Farris, who uh, I spoke to Kelly. I think she's in Florida now. And then later on, Uriah Donnelly from, you know, he's with the Collaborative now and Warren. Yeah. Um, that was an awfully fun band. Yeah, what was the sound of that? Um, oh, the, that was a cacophony of craziness. <laughs> we we had Joe. We had Joe's songs, and then we had like three other lead singers, and wow, I okay. would write the music to their songs, and they would come with lyrics. So oh, okay. it was we were all over the place. I mean, we had songs like "I Want Two Dunkin' Donuts and a Medium Regular," like like. <laughs> um, but you know they they also had a, they they were really Bobby and, and and Bobby how could I forget Bob Rossi, Bob Rossi was the heart and soul of that band, um, but you know we were just a sort of a big, um, I, I don't know like a par- party band but the the word the words were excellent I mean one of Joe's songs you know was about um, euthanasia, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it was about the the right, you know, with the right to live comes a right to die. I mean, he, our songs, you know, were they, they were, they were social commentary. You know, mm-hmm. the new society. That was one of our songs. That, you know, in the new society, and Bobby just <laughs> in one take had this beautiful song about, uh, you know, just how 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 this utopian society in the futuristic district, which is what Joe called. Duke Street, oh, okay. where, where we all lived uh, in that Smith Hill neighborhood. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we played at the Safari with Vic Thrill. Um, okay. And that's Bill Campion from, um, from the Bog Men in New York. Oh, and okay. I actually knew Bill from my New York days. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and he had a pretty good influence on me early on because he's always been a one. He's, they're playing again, and he's, he's just a wonderful oh, wow, cool. singer and lyricist. Um, but yeah, we would play at the Safari. We would play. There was a fun. There was a fun club at the mall. <laughs> it was a comedy club that Uriah Donnelly was booking. That's that's. Uh, I mean, I mean um, Noah Donnelly, Uriah's brother. So okay. we would go play at this comedy club. <laughs> we would. <laughs> that was in the mall. We yeah. We would yeah. be dressed up ridiculously. <laughs> we were. Uh, I don't know. I think I was wearing a cowboy hat a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And Kelly would come in and bow is and wow, falling down. It was just you know there were like ten of us. It was like just crazy. It was a performance. It was, we were performance art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's and, cool. That and we fun. we had a recording back then. It's called Al Dente, and I remember it was in a couple of local bars. So it was always fun to be playing pool, and then someone would oh, play really? one, one of our songs, and they were just silly, goofy songs. Yeah, and uh, we would get a kick out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. Ever since I'm falling out, haven't had a single doubt that I'm losing you. And 
my hair I'm feeling oh, so much pain Seeing it go all down the drain Now that I'm losing you in my hair Well, yeah, I mean, you bring up Liberty Fest. I know that you, you know, have a pretty tight connection with that. Can you talk about your involvement with that festival and and then also just talk about the festival? Like, what was it and who were some of the bands that came through that? I mean, I, I personally got to attend Jeez. it several years. It was a fantastic, it was something I looked forward to. Uh, so first off, thank you for all of your work with that. But yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that festival. Yeah. Um, so... That started, I think, in 2000. Okay. And Joe Lucy is, is, is you know, some, he's a visionary. Um, and he had some houses that, you know, he owned on Duke Street and Orm Street. I moved into one of them, you know, didn't even have, <laughs> we, I didn't have drywall in some of some, oh, wow. uh, in the room I moved into. It was real urban camping at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so when I started teaching at LaSalle and living there, it was really tough because the, 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 you know, it was tough to get to sleep. I had a tough first year there because um, it was also somewhat of a, you know, party house and, yeah. you know, it was never quiet. <laughs> but um, so, you know, Joe had this idea to have a Liberty Fest mm -hmm. and, um, you know, a bunch of us who lived there, you know, got together and had a couple of planning meetings in the backyard. And mm -hmm. we built a stage out of old wood that was around and put it on concrete blocks and shoved it in the backyard of Lisa Carnival's house on mm -hmm. Bath Street. Um, and invited, you, you know, just invited some friends. I mean, I, I think I played the first... Gee, I, you know, I played at a lot of the early Liberty Fest, probably the first 10 in various inca in incarnations of bands. Yeah. Um, but, you know, those first ones were, first one, you know, a couple of hundred people. Uh, we had face painting for kids. It was a very family-friendly community event. And yeah. We, we, we always shut the street off. Mm -hmm. And that was interesting because um, we wouldn't, ever pull permits or anything we would just put the put up barriers and not let anyone drive on the street yeah and you know when we would ask joe well, joe how are we gonna how are we gonna do this um what about the cops he goes well we're, we're not gonna get permits we have permits and he'd say that <laughs> whatever that meant we have permits and and that would be his way of saying, uh, you know, who cares? We'll deal with cops when they come. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, for, it definitely had like this DIY. It was completely and, DIY. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'd get some, we'd get a few kegs. We'd roast a goat or, uh, or a pig, uh -huh. you know, every year. Probably wasn't the. And it was 4th of July. Just so oh, it was always on the 4th of, of July. It was. That, hence the Liberty Whatever Fest, day, whatever day it was. And yeah. we would. Um, Gee, I remember we had a spit for the pig, pig and um, for most of the years, it was my old oil tank <laughs> that I sawzalled in half. Yeah, yeah. And then we kind of welded 
Sean in the neighborhood was a welder, and he he put like kind of the spit racks on it. Why did I mean, have, we why washed did we have an it. Old oil tank. Oh yeah, we. I like we, how you just said it so nonchalantly. Yeah, like, my yeah. old oil. Like everyone has an oil tank. Oh yeah, because like, oh, that's was, my old one. No, I have a new one. You know. But. Well, no, I got <laughs> I, no, no. I got rid of. We we converted to gas. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, we 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 cut that in half to bring it out, and I think it was a big planter for a couple of years. Yeah. Because I owned a house on on Duke Street, um, and you know that's where we roasted. A few years worth of pigs. It probably wasn't the healthiest. To, to, <laughs> <laughs> I think they're called PCBs. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, knowing what I know now with the environmental phase one and twos that I have to get done on construction jobs. Yeah, yeah. But um, but we, we did that, and and you know we we would just ask some friends and play music, but very quickly we had to book and actually had to have a lineup. Uh huh. Um. Within a couple of years, I was sort of the book, I was booking one stage. And then, um, you know, we, we always had a healthy contingent of, of Providence noise musicians who mm -hmm. lived in our houses because it was, you know, urban camping or just were really tight with the whole Oneville music scene. Yeah. Um, so we, we'd always have a, a really great showing of... of um, do you remember uh, some of those bands? Yeah. Um, White Mice were always yeah, my yeah. favorite. Jolly's band mm -hmm. killed me. Um, they would... Have you ever seen White Mice? I don't think I've ever like actually seen them live. No, I mean, I've seen sure. videos and other stuff like that, but I don't think I've actually got to see them in person. Jeez, they would... Um, they would dress in really dirty, <laughs> full <laughs> mouse costumes yeah, yeah. and... and and just put black, I think it was white makeup or black on their face, like, or, or I can't quite remember. I think their faces were just covered with their costume. You couldn't tell who was who. Yeah. 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 It was a full costume. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And they would just play noise, fuzzed out stuff. And I, and you know, Jolly, if you know him, he's just such a, <laughs> such a brilliant soul, such a lovely guy. And, um, I remember one time before he's going to go, he said, oh, Chris, oh, you're going to like this set. We're playing our Christmas set today. <laughs> <laughs> and very earnestly. Yeah, yeah. And he meant it. Yeah. I, I could, but I didn't know what he, it didn't sound like, any, it didn't yeah. sound like any particular song, but, you know, they, it was their Christmas was, set. Yeah, all right. And, and um, you know, one of my favorite times, because they played a few years, but we were in the back. This is, when, this is a few years into it when Liberty Fest expanded out to Eston Street, okay. um, which is the next street because the backyards were all, all connected. Okay. And so they're playing in between and it's really brilliant and loud and the sun had gone down and it was just wonderful. And we, I was standing in back of a pickup truck that was like at the front of the driveway watching them with my, with Tina and a couple of friends. Yeah. So I looked down and there's a bag of fireworks. So, I mean, what's better than picking up the fireworks and lighting them from hand and, and uh, you know, bottle rockets by hand yeah. right above the band, but also right next to houses and roofs. <laughs> it was very dangerous, but yeah, yeah. nothing happened. And it was, it's just, it's a really beautiful memory I have of yeah, white yeah. mice playing their amazing music and me lighting fireworks from by hand off the back of a truck. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, some of the early shows, you know, gee, John McCauley um, mm -hmm. and Paul Marandola, they, 
John used to play when he was 17. Because mm -hmm. I, I lived in Smith Hill, and that's where John's family was from. And I taught at LaSalle yep. from like till like 2004. And I, I mean, during that time, there were just some really great, brilliant students that I had. And some of them wrangled me to be their advisor for this poetry group they had called Spoon. Okay. S-P-U-N with an umlo, um, student poetry union. And basically they were just like creative, brilliant students. And I would like, just sit there and participate or just really enjoy whatever they were doing, uh, whether yeah. it was music or poetry. Um, and that's like going back, Mike Day, that's where I, you know, I met okay. Mike Day, um, you know, Judith Bingham was, was a little bit later than that, but uh, had, had some really, you know, met some young students who I later on became friends with. Mm -hmm. um, and John was a sophomore in my English class. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember he invited me to come see him. Um, he was playing at AS220. Yeah. So I went and I met his dad and mom. Yeah. And then John's sisters became my babysitters when I, when I had my kid. And, oh, wow. and then John would, would just come and play Liberty Fest for a couple of years. Yeah. And, and, it, was, and it was fun, like 10 years later, after it had moved to uh, another street, it was still Joe's house. Joe moved. Oh, okay. Uh, West Park Street. And actually, Dare Tick came down and played a, you know, Dare Tick played at one of the Liberty yeah. Fests. And that's kind of, I played that one, but that was like one of the last years I was involved at all because then I, you know, my kids got older and it was just a little harder. Yeah, yeah. When did Liberty Fests end then? It well, of, it, it hasn't really dust, ended right? because it sort of got taken up uh, and it was... Like Rick's taken it at, at dust. Yeah, and yeah. even before Rick, it was it was at, oh, what's that place? Right down the street from us. I forget, but Danny Baldwin worked there uh, and they had it there and then, oh, okay. and then Rick took it over. Yeah, okay. The Revival Fest, oh, right. which I yeah, think okay, is doing, yeah. you know, great... Okay, yeah, it, it pain, you know, it, it was quite a festival. I mean, at the height of it, we would have hundreds, six or seven hundred people on our streets. Yeah, it was it was nuts. It was a scene. It oh, it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, who do I mean? Oh, I can't remember all the bands. Gavin Castleton's bands used to come. Okay, Ibu Go Go. Like, oh, yep. They were great. They were awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chris Hansen played. Um, yeah. You know, Pedro's band played, you know, do you know Pedro? Um, Who plays in Swampbirds now? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Pedro's band always played um, yeah. behind Lisa's house. Yeah. Good times. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. I did sound at the Met Cafe for four years. Yeah. And then I moved over to the Century for about four years. Yeah. And uh, the joke is, I, I <laughs> my joke, which is kind of terrible, but I worked and then the club closed. <laughs> I worked until both of them closed. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I was teaching at LaSalle, so I wasn't like a full-time guy, but... Um, like full-time uh, uh, sound, sound guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would work on weekends and I think, you know, Mike Arruda... Uh, how did you get into doing sounds? Just from doing it and then No, like, well, like, or... because Mike didn't have a sound guy for a, an all-day punk rock show. And he was stuck. So yeah. he asked his friends, me, Jeremy, and Brian Tracy, listen, can you guys work? I'll show you how to run sound. You're all musicians. And we're like, yeah, we can handle that. I mean, it was mainly just vocals, you know, just, yeah. just riding the vocals. Um he trained us for about 15 minutes and then left, <laughs> said, I have to go. Yeah, yeah. And by the end of the night, I was the only one. It was a long day. It was like 10 hours. By the end of the night, I was the only one still back there. They left. Jeremy would rather be a bartender, and Brian had no time for this. And I actually liked it. Yeah. So I started doing sound. I had no, no training besides being a musician. Wow. Um, and boy, you know, it was tough for the first couple of months. I, I would physically feel like... Yeah, yeah. Get, ever get nervous before a gig? Like you have to throw up. Mm -hmm. um, that's how I would feel before shows. Okay, I've that I was doing for sound shows. for. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I did some big acts too, um, but I got good at it. I, I, I got a lot of great help. I remember T Buck, um, Tom Buckland. Okay, came over one day, introduced himself, and just said, "Hey, do you mind if I?" I said, "No, you know, Tom." Yeah. Help me out, you know, and he showed me some really great like studio cuts, how to get the kick drum to fit right in the mix, you know, and oh, and Mike, I joked that there wasn't much training, but Mike showed me a ton as well. Aruda yeah, was, like over, yeah, Aruda had my here. back. <laughs> he had my back. I'll always be, I'll always be grateful to Mike for, for what he did for me. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I had a lot of great help too. And I think I split those four years. It was me, Mike, and Danny Baldwin doing sound for, for four years there. Well, okay. Yeah. A couple of times going over to Lupo's to do wedge monitors, but I didn't have much time. I only had weekends. Yeah, yeah. Who were some of the memorable shows that you did sound for? Are there any, or any uh, standouts? I, Peter Wolf stand was fun. Yeah? Because he had a sound guy that was traveling with him, mm -hmm. and he was new. So he told me, he goes, oh, I'm putting him through the ringer tonight. So Peter I, said this to Yeah, he yeah, said yeah. this to me. <laughs> so oh, he was giving him such a hard time, making him sweat about frequencies in the monitors. Oh, oh he was giving, <laughs> it, 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 and it was good. Um, boy, I did sound for Mike Watt. Yeah. Oh, and he played with Jay Maskus, and they played oh, friggin' Stooge covers. <laughs> oh, my God. And Jay brought in a full stack in the Met. And, and this was you couldn't when it was have downtown, a full right? You, like what? The, it was when it was the the downtown. Yes, Met, like the right second iteration the of yeah, the Met. Yeah, 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 it was the just for anyone that's listening. The, the Union Street it wasn't Met. a huge. I don't know what, what was the cap of that room. Maybe <laughs> I don't, 150. That's or what so? I was thinking. 125, yeah. I think. Yeah. All right. So yes, imagine. And he brings a full. He Jay brings a full. The, full Jay brings full a full stack. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how am I supposed to get vocals over this, man? Um. <laughs> but Mike Watt was a great guy. I remember I walked in, he was already there, turned around, just uh, stuck out his seat and said, hey, I'm Watt. That's how he, <laughs> that's right. how he introduced that. I'm Watt. 
like I'm like, hey, 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 Mike, how are you? Yeah. Um, I used to love doing the Queers. Oh my God, they right. were the Queers were probably my favorite band because I'd be back there with my friends, and um, I had my mic. Yeah. I would put it really low in the house mix, yeah. and we would sing backgrounds. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, it was fun. Oh, it was so much fun. <laughs> I've never heard of anyone doing that. Well, that I did a, that. that. Oh yeah, story. I mean, it was probably barely on, but I know. But that's we were I singing would... our we were singing our hearts out. That's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gee, I was there the night Chris Hansen had the aneurysm at his house that night, and that was a brilliant show. Oh, wow. I was doing sound that night. You know, I was playing with Uriah. Um, I was there when Sas Dave Sasquatch. You know through his headstock through a window, I think. <laughs> or like almost broke a window. Dave had some memorable shows. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, just a ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and and oh. I I I'd be remiss. I had met my wife doing she was doing school photographs at LaSalle and mm -hmm. I met her there and had a little bit of fun and we 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 flirted with each other a little bit. But um, I saw her out at a, at, at a, at a bar and, and, you know, we said hi, but I think we were both going out with people at the time. But then I reconnected with her at the Met at a Jump Little Children show. Okay. And, you know, she came by herself, which is one of the best things about my wife. She's kind of fearless. You know, she went to a show by herself. She left the Red Fez, all her ex-Boston, you know, mm -hmm. uh, group who, who would hang out at the Fez. And she came over to the Met, and, and I ran into her, and we were both like, yeah, well, we're not with anybody anymore. And that was almost like, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> so the Met, the, the Met also played a part in my, you know, my personal life, so it's kind of yeah. cool. No, that's, I love that. Yeah. But then, yeah, after the Met, then... Um, I jumped onto the Century. Yeah, okay. With my dear friend Jimmy Reynolds. Yeah. Who, um, who I knew from the neighborhood because he lived on Orm Street with his wife, um, Ellen, who, you know, we were very close with. We would, we would have cookouts and mm -hmm. drink red wine together all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, both of whom have passed. Uh, but Jimmy had me over to the century and then I, I did the same thing with the century. And, you know, sometimes I'd work at the call. I think it was the call at that time. Yeah. Um, it's where I met the brother Kite. Okay. Where I did sound for the brother kite for the first time and became love them from the first time I Absolutely. saw them. And they've a lot of them have played, you know, parts in my musical journey since then. Yeah. Uh the guitarist John has been uh you know, my my go to producer mm -hmm. and, and engineer for every every album I've made. Mm -hmm. Uh Mark Howard played guitar with me and Maria Monk. Yeah. Um and, you know, Pat has just been always great for any advice I needed on mm -hmm. gear or anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just all, all, all around great people. It's also the first time I met Nick Idum. Yeah. Uh, with Canerco. Okay. And I loved, I, 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 they were so powerful. Absolutely, like yeah. I, you know, there were certain bands that stuck out. The yep. Brother Kite and Canerco were two of them that... Um, yeah, just like wow, wow, mm -hmm. love doing sound for them. Yeah, yeah. the The recent the recent news is just shocking, and mm -hmm. 
it's been, it's been quite a, you know, talk, talking about this, uh, you know, my, my musical life, uh, it's just been so many influential people that I've either just watched from afar and, and, um, been influenced by or got to know and, and, and grew to love who, mm -hmm. who have, who have died. And it's been a re really tough for the community for the last, um, last, last couple of months has been yeah. rough. Um, with, uh, Pete mm -hmm. McClanahan and I didn't know Mike Schiavone, but I, I have a lot of friends who are just completely devastated right now. And I did know Nick really well. I was, you know, I was at the show. Couple of weeks ago, yeah. When he three amazing bands in one night that he played with, mm -hmm. and it was just a night I'll never forget. And yeah, so I <laughs> see, you know, and, and when you ask me all this, you know, it's really about community, yeah. And that's what you know, as I was like, oh no, no one wants to hear me talk about my stuff, who cares? Um, but you know, thinking about my, my musical life. It's just been like everything to me. I mean, the people, the people I know, the people I, I, I love, the music I've played, bringing my kids to the parlor for shanty sing mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> with, you know, with Mark and, and, and what Aaron and Gregory did over there. And, and I could, you could bring your kid to the pub like they do in Europe. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not a thing, and they can listen to music, and mm -hmm. they can know what Dad does when he goes out on Friday nights. Mm -hmm. It's a wholesome, like amazing, uh, part of my life, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I, but I got a little sidetracked. I'm sorry. Thinking about thinking about uh, some of the difficulties lately. But this, but yeah, the century. Um, and it's interesting during during that time. I was kind of in bands that were not really playing too much, but always practicing. I okay. And I had a really, really fun band. Um, it was like a sludge rock band called El Rey. Okay. We, we wrote songs and then we purposely slowed them down half. Okay. And so we'd, we'd write like, you know, just regular rock and songs, but we'd play them half time. And it was Otto D'Ambrosio, my, my brother in California, uh, Robert Parker, my my brother in Atlanta, and Robert Robert is a is is was part of the. Uh, he's just wonderful. I love that dude so much. He's my coffee roaster now. He's he roasts coffee and does other things in Atlanta. So he sends oh, me. That's cool. He sends me some every every month now, but uh, he was very involved in in the noise scene uh -huh. and the and the the you know electric. He can do anything with electronics. And, okay. Um, with his friend, with his friend Jeremy, so that was a really fun band. Um, and and Otto is a guitar maker, and um, he he's now the head luthier for Eastman Guitars. And Otto wow. came out with a line of guitars called the El Rey, <laughs> which was named after one of the kids in our neighborhood on Duke Street. Kid had, could, had to be like eight years old, maybe nine, never wore a shirt, but always had a potato gun. And he'd just go around shooting potatoes. <laughs> and we would, every time we heard it, we'd just all yell, potato! And we, everybody in the neighborhood <laughs> would laugh. Yeah. So that, that was, we called him El Rey because wow. he was the king. 
And <laughs> that was our band. And we just played a few shows, you know, around kind of basement shows and stuff like yeah. that. I wonder if Eastman Guitars knows that. Whole, like now that now they know. The, now they know. The, like, oh, because <laughs> this is going to go. This is this is on the web. It's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but but around that time, you know, my wife and I, um, we were living on on Smith Hill, and and I had been living there for for you know the, pro, most of this time, and um, we found a little spot on Holden Street that was a like a vacant storefront, mm-hmm. and being the community that it is, where everybody sort of got to know each other you know neil was was owned the building and he said neil can we open up a photo studio gallery there and um he said sure and he gave it to us you know really cheap rent we painted it and it was tina's photo studio by day Mm -hmm. but an art gallery by night what was the name of the gallery the holden street gallery yeah okay and you know, Smith Hill has always had a ton of residents, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of businesses. You know, you have Patrick's Pub. Yeah. Um, you know, you have some other places and things that have been different, thing, different iterations throughout the years. But, you know, they're just, you know, there's not a lot of gathering places. Mm-hmm. So, um, gee, you know, I, our first gallery show, hundreds of people showed up it was amazing yeah so we had a little thing going on smith hill and you know we would always have music and you know some some of my students who had graduated wanted to do the spoon um uh, group that i discussed earlier and like like, uh perform it out yeah it was and and then poetry readings yeah and and so i started hosting it there um and that's actually the first show that Roz, uh, what they did, that, yeah, yeah. that Roz ever played live. Um, yeah. And I remember that it was great. Yeah. And you know we had some other we had some other you know just fun kind of coffee shop gallery shows, and um, that was a that 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 was something I did. That's when we were having kids, mm-hmm. and that's when you know I also uh, started. Uh, Maria Monk with Pete Landry. Yep. And we recruited Mark Howard into the band to play guitar. Mm-hmm. And then Pete's wife at the time, Rachel Sholly, joined us on drums. Mm-hmm. And um, we used to practice in, in my basement on Bath Street, yep. <laughs> making a hell of a lot of noise. And uh, we played for a few years. That was really fun. You know, we it was kind of before I got my real recording chops done. I mean, we had gone and recorded stuff at Newcastle Sound with Randy before, who's a dear friend. Um, mm-hmm. And just every, a lot of people in Rhode Island know Randy because he's a great guy to record with. But, um, you know, at that time, I just wasn't doing much. It was, it was, I didn't have any money, you know, it was expensive. So we recorded a demo in the basement. We multi-tracked it. But that's when we kind of went to John Downs for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Of the Brother Kite. Like or it was a split He did CD, a split right? EP with... Um, Garage Sale Picasso. Yep. Um, Judith Bingham. Keith and John Menard. Yeah. Uh, the Mighty Menard Brothers from Douglas, Mass. <laughs> um, who I later um, formed the Lincoln Tunnel with. And um, Jason Ma- Mazeroski, who was also um, died yeah. last year. Okay. Um, and he would come to some of our early shows. So I got to know him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that was a big loss to the 
to the um, to the Worcester music. You know, seeing everybody up there knew and, and really liked them, really loved them, I should say. Yeah, so she's you know going through this. It's it's amazing what's happened. But but anyway, you know, Maria Monk played for a while and played some fun shows. We used to play all around Providence and played the Pawtucket. Was it they they used to have a rock uh, Oktoberfest, Rocktoberfest. Yeah, we rock, played that. Uh, Rocktucket. Rocktucket. Yeah. Uh, we played Liberty Fest. That was our first show. Mm -hmm. One of the Liberty Fests. Around that time, I also met, you know, I, I knew Aaron, Janie, you know, from going to the parlor and, mm -hmm. and we had formed a band to play at um, Wayward Christmas at the parlor, which you were involved in. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think I knew you too well at the time, but, um, you know, um, we were playing uh, with, um, we were playing as a, as a three piece and then he said, oh. My wife can sing, you know. So I said, oh, will she sing with us? He said, yeah, I'll ask her if she'll come over. So that's where I met Annie. Mm -hmm. So in this band, we called it sad seasonal affective disorder because it was a you know, winter thing. And so that's when I started my, um, my musical uh, relationship with Annie, who yep. is my sister. <laughs> yeah, in the High Plains now, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, so, awesome. I yeah. didn't realize that. Yeah, it was, it was for... See the, again, community. It was mm -hmm. for, it was for your show over at, <laughs> over at uh, the Wayward Christmas at the Parlor. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Cool. And so, after Maria Monk, I played with um, the Lincoln Tunnel. Yeah, and it was the Menard Brothers. Like and just because you had kind of like befriended, like how did you meet them, and how did you connect with? With them, was it through that split? Or did well, you it's know interesting. Them I I connected with Judith. At a Liberty Fest. Okay. And, yeah, she had just seen me play, and we put out the Split EP. And that's where we decided, let's put out a Split EP, because we both have a couple of demo songs. Yeah, yeah. So that's when I met the guys in her band. Okay. So when we broke up, when Maria Monk broke up, you know, I went through a 
period where I wasn't really playing with anyone, that's mm -hmm. when we did our Neon Night Riders gig in the middle of that, yeah. which, which we can talk about a little bit. That'd but be the, the, the bulk of this interview was going to be about Neon Night Riders. I figured because that one <laughs> epic show was, uh, was, was epic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I just, I, I met John and Keith and got friendly with John, you know, um, and I think, I forget who, who emailed, I think, I don't know, we were just talking and yeah, yeah. said, hey, you want to get together? Um, that was here. So I built this space. No one was in it. And mm -hmm. I remember after Maria Monk broke up, I still was friends. You know, I've, I, I'm very privileged to do what I've done. I, 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 I haven't, because I'm, I, I've managed to retain friendships with almost everybody I've played with, even when, like, Maria Monk, I didn't break up. That was, <laughs> that was a different situation. Okay. But, yeah. you know, you never get too bent out of shape, I suppose. But, um, so I had played, the first time I played was with Mark and Pete here, mm -hmm. and I had this one song that was new. That was really good. Damn, I wear it well. Okay. And they really liked it. I, I, sometimes I form bands because of one or two new songs oh, that right. don't fit what I've been yeah. doing. Yeah. So, um, but they were kind of busy and it didn't work out. So I called John and he said, I have a brother. We started playing right, you know, as a three piece. Mm -hmm. And then my friend Chris Sternid, who uh, had become a great friend to me um, through my job on Smith Hill and then the gallery, said, oh, I have a friend who plays drums. So Will McGrath jumped in and Will... Um, one of the one of the coolest people and one of the just most chill people I've ever met. Mm -hmm. um, matter of fact, you you were you were there for my birthday when my wife sent me on a mystery trip. Yes, she, yeah. Like, all right, you're leaving tomorrow from Boston at seven a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you should stay up all night and so you, so you can uh, make the make the plane. That's where she she flew us out. You know, that was okay, yeah, to yeah. go to go visit Will, the original drummer of um, the Lincoln Tunnel. And his wife, she's a brilliant professor and, and Will's a brilliant writer. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so we formed that and we did Today 2.0, um, which I'm really proud of. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a nice little album. Yeah. And we did that with John Downs. Kind of learned the recording process with him. Mm -hmm. Everybody's different, you know, the tracking process. Um, played around a lot. And then Will went to South Africa for the summer, and then he came back, played a few more months, and then was like, oh, guys, I'm moving to Minnesota. So we were really bummed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, John wrote this really amazing, like, Craigslist ad or something. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. John was like, don't worry, I'll find it. Put it out there. And we found, we, we tried out a few drummers that, that, that didn't work, but we found uh, Mike Tommaso, Tomahawk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so then he joined the Lincoln Tunnel and we mm -hmm. put out our second album, Phone This One In, mm -hmm. uh, which again, I'm really proud of. Mm -hmm. Um, that's got some, that's got some nice ones on there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what were some of the inspirations for that band? I mean, it kind of has a, you know, unique indie rock kind of feel to it, but like, what were you pulling from for the Lincoln Tunnel? Well, I'm really influenced by the replacements, mm -hmm. uh, always have a healthy Beatles influence with the harmonies. Yeah, yeah, okay. But again, love the Stones 
who have the loose and, and that's one of the things I love about your drum playing. Sometimes you just get a little little touch behind the behind the beat and it's so cool because it adds this groove to it. Um that that gets me going. Um I'm a huge Modest Mouse fan, mm -hmm. but John had to school me because I was like, why can't you make my vocals sound like Modest Mouse? Because you don't write songs that sound like Modest Mouse. <laughs> oh, John, John has yeah. a very direct approach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, John Downs. <laughs> he'll tell you if something sucks or not. He, he didn't say it's, <laughs> but he'll tell you. Um, I think that's why later on I did Steady State because I was like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to write songs that sound more like that don't sound like indie rock. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to get a synthesizer and <laughs> play, and learn how to play piano. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and Keith, the guitarist, who has a very unique style, mm -hmm. I would say his style is, is loud. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, but he built his own ca guitar cabinet and had this Frankenstein guitar board, which annoyed me because it was just way too big. But he could get some great sounds out of it. Oh, okay. So, and he was very influenced by REM. Mm -hmm. And he had a noisy but melodic lead guitar style. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting because we, we, we had Neon Night Riders. Now that was a project that was like, I forgot what they call it, Rock and Roll Lottery, Lotto? Yeah, so that was actually how you and I really yeah. first uh, connected. I mean, we might have met, maybe? I don't yeah. even know. But, but that's uh, when we... That was when we first... Yeah, and I, really... I remember being a little, like, not intimidated, but, like, I didn't know you. I know I didn't know you that well, because first practice was in your basement, you know, next to the boiler, five, yeah, yeah. five of us shoved in there. And, yeah. and, and the idea was every... You know, you put the instrument you played, and then they picked them out of a hat, formed bands, and in 30 days, you have to play a show. Exactly, yeah. So, um, I couldn't go that night, but Aaron put my name in, and then he texted me, he goes, oh, you hit the, he goes, oh, you, you, you really made out well. He's like, you got some great musicians. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, so, and, and he was right. I mean, what was it? It was me, you, Caleb Cabral. Yeah. But he, he and I were playing in Cedro. So that was actually nice because I was, I, I don't, I'm a pretty shy person. Don't like to put myself out too much. So I, you know, and I like to kind of know what I'm getting into. And this was not that. It was precisely what you said. I was like, just put your name in there and, and you're going to be playing music with some strangers. But it was very exciting. But uh, yeah, definitely get kind of looking out and being at least with Caleb who just, love working with him so that was nice but uh but yeah i was with him and then uh jeff uh from lane genie yeah holy and, jesus and like those chords that he could play he had <laughs> would like make our heads finger. spin i don't know it's what like, he was doing jeff yeah. what chord was that that was crazy yeah but yeah he played he played i i have a half stack over there he's like oh can i play the half stack I'm like sure those are some good practices in here yeah yeah um yeah so Caleb, and then Ray Simone on yep. sax. Yeah. So we had this great, amazing musician playing sax. So I think that was all of us. And we basically went in a room and wrote songs whilst jamming. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and yeah. we would, you know, I kind of am an avid recorder. So I, I'd record them and then kind of arrange them and write lyrics to them. That became my role in the band. Because yep. I'm really not that great of anything. Like, I'm not a great guitarist or anything. You know, but I can I can yeah, write a song. So yeah. so I crafted the songs. I think we had six. Yeah, yeah. 
I thought, killer songs out of that. And so I, 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 this is a great segue because I, I always thought we should have recorded those. But one of the songs, you know, really stuck out to me, the song Bedroom Eyes. Mm -hmm. um, I remember Caleb kind of wrote the hook and I just love, he wrote like the, the musical hook, um, which I just fell in love with and couldn't get out of my head. Mm -hmm. And I wrote the song about a local musician who I emulated and, and was in love with when I was younger, watching her play on stage. She was a bass player. And then right around that time, I read in the paper that she had killed her lover and was in jail. And, and it was like complete, like, oh my God, like shocking and, mm -hmm. and, and disturbing. And, and my heart was torn in half. I mean, drugs were involved. And I, you know, I'm sure it's, I'm sure people, you know, it's not hard to probably figure out who that was. But so I wrote Bedroom Eyes about that story, sort of being in, in, in awe and in love with a musician on stage and then and then what happened so i recorded that and i asked you guys i asked all you guys is it okay oh yeah yeah and i gave you know even on that on the album everybody got songwriting credits because we literally wrote that together in a room uh, but we recorded um that song in the second lincoln tunnel album yeah and boy you know that's one of my favorites that i've ever recorded that's cool yeah, yeah. So steady state, you know, I, I really think though it was Jeremy, Jeremy and I had kids and hadn't really talked for a couple of years just because we were super busy. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we kind of got back together and, and said, oh, well, you know, why aren't we playing music together? And um, so I went to his house. He said, oh, I set up, I set up my son's like toy keyboard here. I figured you'd want to play keyboard. And I was like, yeah, right. Yeah. We'll jam. I'll play keyboard. So uh, I started playing and, and with the acoustic and then figuring out how to hold the sustain and do two things at once. Yeah. So then I just bought two synthesizers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm old. I got a few hundred bucks that I can, I can invest in. Yeah, this I'm not going to wait any longer. Like l yeah. life just goes by too fast. So they're sitting over there. Mm -hmm. And then I started writing sequences. It, yeah, it's just amazing. I write to sequences and then I'd either write a mel melody line or I write an acoustic guitar line. Mm -hmm. But sometimes just have a sequence and then Jeremy would 
Jeremy, who can play bass or guitar like a wizard, you know, would just start with this great guitar line. And then we connected um, with Robbie Blunt, mm -hmm. who I played a little bit with before. And then he moved for, I think, grad school. And, you know, Rob is just one of my... See, I have so many fair people. And that, that's really what I think I want to... Just if I want to get across, it's just how much pure fun you can have and how, how much meaningful, how many meaningful relationships you can have <clears throat> um, creating together. Mm -hmm. You know, so I called Rob because I said, Jeremy, there's... I don't know any drummers who can do like, you know, what, what we're doing needs a, a really like, Jeremy calls it a lead drummer. And I, I was like, let me call Rob. I think Rob, I think he'd be great at this. So Rob came down. I mean, you know, he plays to a sequence in his cans without a click track. Okay. That's hard to do. You're yeah, a drummer yeah. with, and how we can stay on rhythm without a click track to some weird sequences that, that I'll program, it's kind of phenomenal. Um, and so, you know, Steady State kind of became my, my main band, and we got Pete Landry back from Maria Monk. Mm -hmm. And we wrote a ton of really good songs. We recorded six of them on two EPs. And then Pete uh, met a, a wonderful woman at, at Brown, and <laughs> then you know, in the middle of COVID said he was, had to move to Norway. He was moving to Norway with her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, so, you know, Pete moved to Norway. We had a really, really fun um, going away party at dusk for him. And he played in another band. So both of his bands played, we called it Pete Fest. Mm -hmm. um, so we lost Pete and boy, was I down. Um, so then Rob, said, all right, I got a friend moving back to town. He's a great bass player. Um, so he'll play bass with us. So we waited for him. And then we were going to start playing last year around Labor Day. And uh, I called him. I was like, uh, I texted him. I was like, all right, let, let's, let's start practicing. So he called me five minutes late, like a minute later. And I knew something was up. And then Robbie told me that he was moving to California for a job. So, yeah. So that, that band sort of, you know, in my, we still have seven or eight songs that need to be recorded. I think they're amazing. I love them. Mm -hmm. I still hum them. High Plains started in 2016, yeah. um, had a, a little bit of a different sound. It was with you and Annie, 
Um, and bluegrass, like, bluegrass musicians. Yeah, can you just uh, maybe talk a, just a little bit about like how that formed and um, you know, absolutely, was it like a you know, I, I know that you write a lot of different stuff, and you had you know mentioned that sometimes you write some songs that don't really fit with another project. Was that that what? was High Plains? Yeah, um, okay. I had some more acoustic songs that were just more upbeat or ballady. You know, mm -hmm. I had kind of both. And they, they didn't fit in the Lincoln Tunnel, which was more of an indie rock band. But then when I started singing with Danny, and I would play some of the songs with her, because we got together, wow, well, every two months we'd get together and play. Mm -hmm. And, um, gee, you know, I just adore playing with her. Yeah. She makes me a better singer because she's a great musician with a great ear. And, you know, I, we started playing these acoustic songs and they just sounded great to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I worked with Matt DePinto at the Century. And so we, we, we were friends and he started playing stand-up double bass. And, um, you know, he had a friend, Jeff Badowski, who is like a wonderful mandolin player mm -hmm. um and can <laughs> everything he picked up he was wonderful at oh, he, yeah, he's yeah. one of these multi musician multi-instrument musician guys and yeah i mean we just started to practice and and we they were bluegrass guys and okay we we i played some i played the nickanese bluegrass jam like the throwdown the throwdown throw with, yeah. with like packed house there I think I did a real faux pas there because I, I brought in John Downs to play to play some snare drum to that. <laughs> just because my right hand, yeah. oh, I just couldn't I just couldn't do that. Like bluegrass no. is a dema physically demanding oh, yeah. style to play. Yeah. Um, I you know, always and advocate for more drums and bluegrass. I, I know. I I know, so, but you know, Sal's listening. More there's a lot of pure there's a lot of purists in the scene. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but they were the scene the, they we made I made more money there than I think I've <laughs> I've made it many most shows. Um it was a past the hat. Yeah. Um but you know that, so that was a one album thing. We just kind of Matt moved right after the album dropped and it was just disappointing because we really didn't get a chance to play any shows when that album came out. Mm -hmm. So what do you do with an album that's released online? We had CDs made up, you know, 75 or less put it out. Yeah. Thanks, you know, Slick is amazing and, yeah, and, yeah. and Mark. Uh, he put out all the um, Lincoln, Lincoln Tunnel, Tunnel stuff yeah. too. Um, and, uh, but we had, we had no shows. Mm -hmm. And again, I've learned to deal with it because that's what happens when you're not a professional musician. People move, people have babies, people join other bands that don't have time, and, and you you really just have to accept it. If you get bitter, which I've spent many years being bitter, <laughs> but if you get bitter, it, you know, it only hurts you, and if you have a passion and want to play music.
But I kind of remember where this came back. Tina and I, pre-COVID, you know, we, we had New Year's parties here. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one year Annie came over and I was like, I was drinking a lot of wine early that night. So I'm like, Annie, I have some songs, some old songs. So we went in the other room and I played them. And, you know, she just instantly starts to <laughs> sing. And she's like, these are, these are good. These, she's like, well, why don't you play these? It was like, well, because we're not playing, you know, because we don't have a band, Annie. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, we should fix that. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, two of the, those are uh, Make Believe. Yeah. And um, Deep as Any Ocean. Mm-hmm. So I had had those songs for a while. And Deep as Any Ocean, I actually wrote when my with my daughter when she was like eight years old. She oh, wow. was plunking away at that piano. She just kept playing a melody over and over. And I loved it. So I'm sitting there with my guitar and, and, and I just found some minor chords that went over it. And, you know, I don't really write too many like, whatever its style that song is, it's... I, I, yeah, it's got a little reggae root in it, yeah, um, yeah. but it just kind of came out, and you know, so she she was the driving factor, just playing a melody. Um, but that song had gotten lost for years, and I played them that night for her mm -hmm. after you know getting up the courage after a few glasses of wine, and um, and then proceeded to make her play with me for like the next hour, okay, <laughs> <laughs> and songs we didn't know, and sing as many New Year's songs to whoever was there as we could, yeah. Um, so yeah. that's when it planted the seed to sort of don't forget these songs. Yeah. And then I wrote a few others during, co during early COVID. Yeah. But well, I really I, I, wasn't writing at all during COVID. I had writing, we haven't really gotten into writing too much. Um, but boy, COVID, I was too anxious to write. I wrote one song during COVID and it's, it's the um, figure eight song. Oh, okay. Um, it's the only song I wrote during COVID until we started playing and then I got some more inspiration. Yeah. I need to play to get inspiration. Okay. I can get, like, I need to be doing it. Yeah. I can get a little bit, yeah. you know, down when I'm not playing and like it almost needs a vehicle because I really don't enjoy playing by myself. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy the collaborative process. Mm -hmm. And I can have, I have more fun at practice than I do usually live shows. I yeah, really just, enjoy yeah. practicing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I enjoy playing. Yeah, I remember seeing yourself and Annie part of the love hangover that Jen yeah, Long put together yeah, at, that the, was... uh, at the Columbus Theater. And that was how I, at least from my recollection, of kind of even reconnecting with you like i don't yeah. i don't remember again if it was like we should play together or if i said it or you said it or whatever but i remember talking to you like yeah. after your set um and you might have yeah been like half joking of like oh, i should play drums with us and i was like sure you know and i think that that was yeah the, that's the, right that's the, right the start well, of it and then that's uh, and then, that's yeah, right we, we connected um to yeah do some because that was February, I think it must have been February yeah, 2020. Yeah, you know, exactly. it was like right before, like a couple oh, of weeks, two weeks before <laughs> it hit. Um, and then, yeah, we yeah. played Make Believe and Trainwreck that night. And um, boy, uh, I just I'm real grateful for Jen for asking us to play that. 
That was a wonder, great night. So many great musicians and, and fun. And mm -hmm. again, yeah, see that community, it, it kind of brought us together. And, mm -hmm. you know, I had always wanted to play with you, but the thing is you need the vehicle, right? Yeah. So now Annie and I had started to play. We practiced for this show, resurrected some songs. I started writing some new ones. And now, all right, James, we should get together. And then COVID hit. Yeah. But like I say, that summer... That's when I texted, you know, I yeah. like, hey, look, are you comfortable playing outside really far away from each other? Yeah, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. No, it was a lot of fun to do that. And yeah, and that was the beginning of Ghost Town, the album yeah. that we recorded, uh, comes out in April. Um, but yeah, like, this is a podcast about you, but definitely like my own experience with it, it was of recording that record and writing that record. It was very different than anything I've, I've done basically because of COVID like that. It yeah, was me too. Um, yeah. In a sense for my, like sitting behind the drum set written in this sort of like power trio type thing where it's guitar, like acoustic guitar, bass and drums. And that was like the, the root of this stuff. But with the additional players with, um, just Annie's amazing voice being added in, there's just so much texture and, the the melodies and the harmony it's just it, it became this this album that i'm very proud to be a part of and uh so yeah i'd love to hear a little bit more about your experience because you uh engineered this this was um what i believe is the first time that you've oh yeah like recorded something so recorded an album um you know, here in this practice space and, and yeah, can you just talk about sure. you know, putting he, this record together and he, he, what's funny is, um, you, you you know, we practiced with all different musicians and different iterations outside, whoever could show up. And, you know, then I was like, all right, guys, we're ready to record. And, and you say a power trio, you know, you had never heard every member of the band play together before. Mm -hmm. I had only heard us separate because Greg played with us in between the first High Plains and now us. Yeah. Greg, Greg had come on and played with Annie and I for a few one-off shows. We yeah. played Askew, we played the Galactic. Um, so I had heard Greg, the viola player, playing certain lines to certain songs. So those were imprinted. Mm -hmm. And I so I knew which songs would have sort of the lead viola and where it would go. Mm -hmm. You had never even heard the viola, so you had no idea that, all right, this seems a little boring right now because there's nothing there, but actually this is where... <laughs> so I, I kind of knew that. Yeah. But then with Frankie... Uh, uh, Frankie Ranks. Frankie Ranks, you know, we, di I, we didn't really... I didn't even know his guitar lines necessarily because we he wrote them while we recorded. Mm -hmm. As the engineer... What I brought to it was, all right, guys, rhythm section, James Jeremy, just re just play relaxed. Don't overplay. There's going to be plenty of other stuff. Mm -hmm. Don't don't feel like you have to fill every every hole. Leave some holes, and I'll fill them later. Yeah, yeah. And that was basically the only advice. I mean, we didn't even necessarily work on too many intros and outros. I mean, some of that stuff we just decided. John and I decided we'd just chop it. Okay, we're going to chop the beginning of the song and just start it here. Yeah, we yeah. didn't do like production wizardry, 
we just like we kind of created some endings. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. We played this too long. Let's just start it early. We'll fade the drums out and yeah. do this. Um, so you know, I we 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 did the rhythm. I did some basic mixing here, mm -hmm. um, but I recorded all. I I I bought a new laptop. Um, so we recorded it. I did my acoustic guitar, and then I had the lead instruments, either Frankie or Greg, depending on the song. Mm -hmm. If if I knew it was a guitar heavy song, I'd have Frankie come in. And that process was so cool because once I understood how to, on Logic, you know, how to mul like get get many tracks, yeah, many virtual tracks, and how I sort of so I didn't accidentally erase, and I could, and I'll go, you know, I I'll go through everything later, but I could, you know, really just let them play, let everybody play, mm -hmm. and I could, I knew how to record. Once I did that, it started to be a real interactive process. Yeah. You know, it would be, all right, Frankie would play something and say, oh, but I also have this idea. So he'd give a couple of ideas. Or he, and then we would discuss, you know, my thoughts, and then it would turn into something. Or he, a couple of songs like Interstate, Interior, he was just like, well, I have this really distinct style. And when he did it, it was like, yes, that's uh, brilliant. Yep. That's it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Perfect. You know, and there was like no discussion there. He just, his tone and his playing was just like monster. Um, but that was so fun for me mm -hmm. to, to, to be, to interactively uh, work on parts with the musicians. And, and with Greg, with the viola, we mm -hmm. did a lot of layering. Um, and, you know, my, my, just my constant refrain with everyone is mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the sort of same thing I told you guys. Don't you don't have to fill every hole. Mm -hmm. Just because it's not, I'll find we'll we'll put something there or we'll leave it because space is really important in music. Um, so you know, sometimes like like I remember the solo for um, for Figure Eight. It's very sparse. Like there's a little guitar lick and then a viola. Yeah. And with Frank, you know, we worked it. It's like we worked that. Let's just let that guitar lick linger and then we'll see what yeah. else goes there. Yeah, and you know, to me, it really worked brilliant. well with both. And then the third time, the piano. So the last person to be added to the mix was the person Rob from Steady State <laughs> brought from Massachusetts to move in with. A, Jason wanted to move to Providence anyway, but he was going to play bass in Steady State. But I got to know him a bit and realized what a wonderful dude he was. Yeah, and. Just it's like, why don't do you play piano? He's like, well, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and so then we started to play, you know, once or twice a week, and he learned the songs, and he just kept getting better and better. Yeah. So he's another one where I'm sure any any instrument he picks up, he's he, he's great at. But then, so then we we went. I went back and recorded piano on a lot of other yeah, songs. Yeah, some. Now John really and I had stuff. played a little piano in the studio. Mm -hmm. I, I remember one song, two of us. <laughs> 20 fingers on one one piano keyboard oh, really? just in this one part you know holding and yeah. arpeggiating but um so so the, the piano was sort of a group effort but now that jason's in the band that's changing our sound even more from this current album the yeah. new song because we i already have a new 
album written. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the new album's written because like, typical once, like songwriter fashion of you know. Uh, oh, once album I is that's the, the thing. Like I have a vehicle up, yeah. now. Yeah, I have. I, if I have, if I get writer's block, I just like switch instruments. Yeah, you know, or like detune my guitar and yeah, yeah. figure out some other thing that sparks other ideas. So you know, once there's a vehicle like. And I'm really excited about the next album. Mm -hmm. You've played most of the songs. I think there's maybe one or maybe one or two I haven't shown you yet. Mm -hmm. But um, they're a little different. But like, you know, I the test is always with Annie. Like when we sing it, or if it's a song for her, because there's like three songs for her that I've written. And when when I hear her, I know whether it's a keeper or not. And yeah, it yeah. always is because she's always so damn good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's when I know, like, oh, all right, that's good, because yeah, yeah. Annie just makes everything better. Yeah. But what can people expect with the new album, Ghost Town? Well, we play, you know, we flex a little country muscles. We, um, we have some, some nice medium tempo indie rock stuff. Mm -hmm. We have a couple of bat. We have Jeremy wrote this great song called Minnesota mm -hmm. that... We, we used to play a long time ago is sort of a, a more straight ahead rocker. It's, it's got some, it's got some great hooks in it. Um, so I did my thing where w when he showed it to me again and we remembered it, I was playing piano. So I kind of wrote a piano part mm -hmm. and then it just became, so I got, sorry, man, I think this is a piano ballad now. <laughs> and Jeremy's like, all right, I like it. It's cool. Yeah. It's so it one. became a piano ballad. Mm -hmm. Um, that Annie and I, there's like a male and female part. And, and one interesting arrangement thing about this song that I just, I, I'd love it if anybody can tell me if there's another song where it does this. We were singing different parts and at different parts of the song, like the, I sing two bridges, she sings one bridge, but in the chorus, there's one chorus where I sing, there's the same words. I sing myself. Second chorus, she sings harmonies to me. I sing the melody. The third chorus, we do and that at the end, it's the third and fourth chorus are, are combined. She sings alone, the melody. And the fourth time, she sings the melody and I sing harmony. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's terrible. You know, I don't know that, but I don't <laughs> no, think so cool. when I hear it. But I don't know that I've, I've, I've heard that done before but i'm really interested if it is done where you you have like a duet but the the chorus actually is is different yeah. it's varied so i think that's an interesting mm -hmm. little thing that we do on that mm -hmm. what else can people expect i mean i don't know like some of the songs are so some of the you know a lot of the songs are real personal to me sometimes my lyrics are, are kind of straightforward like the last song in the album it's pretty clear what i'm singing about yeah yeah um but there's other songs that i know what they're about but they're they're just it's just imagery yeah and you know who knows if yep i hope people uh, i hope people enjoy it and, and and interpret it their own way i mean that's really the wonderful thing about i think good lyrics you so i read a lot of haruki Murakami who kind of just writes these phantasmagoric psychological um, Pink Floyd type, <laughs> you know, stuff. Yeah. Um, it's all subconscious and dreams. And I, I had 
coffee with someone I was getting to know. I would call her an acquaintance at that time. And over the course of this conversation, we became friends. So it's funny how it, mm-hmm. one conversation solidified a friendship. She was telling me how she was an empath mm-hmm. and how it was really hard in high school. And, you know, it was beyond like an emotional person. I mean, I have a 13-year-old daughter who, you know, who is up and down. I'm up and down emotionally, but it transcended this. It was mm-hmm. different. It, she would feel things and feel energy and locations connected to energy that was there. Mm-hmm which I completely, you know, believe in and, and buy. And it was amazing hearing, I mean, I read about this stuff, but it was amazing hearing a first person account. So, you know, that's what, that and, and what I had been reading, the story Dance, Dance, Dance by Haruki Mirakami, that's what um, Season for the Ghosts is, is, is about. Yeah. So that, like, I had nothing to do with that song. Like, mm-hmm. that was, that, I just, like, I was just thinking about the conversation and the story, which had elements of that, mm-hmm. and that just kind of yeah. wrote itself. What a season for the ghosts. All that's gone before is never far behind these days. Blackened windows and open doors. Yeah, with regard to that, we got to connect with David Lawler, uh, oh, videographer and photographer. Thank you for introducing um, David to my life. And, he's a great uh, guy. He's amazing, yeah. And, and a great artist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we got to shoot a music video for yeah. that song. Um, a lot of great feedback about the video, uh, about the song as well. So thank you for those that, that made those comments and have yeah. checked out the video. Um and that was just a, a fun experience getting to to make that video and getting to work with someone as you know talented as Dave and just being able to kind of take the little bit of vision that we kind of yeah. placed in front of him and, and pulling through. Um, and I can't believe how quickly he edited that thing. Oh, I yeah. thought it was going to take a month. He, yeah. he, he must have spent like three all-nighters because like a week later he had the first cut. Yeah, yeah. Maybe less than a amazing. week. amazing, yeah, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Because yeah. he shot so much footage. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The shoot was, was you know, a certain amount All of hours. Day. And then, and then Two days. And yeah. I brought, my kids were in it. Yeah. And we, you know, we, we, um, my kids were, were the younger ghosts, I suppose. Yeah. And, um, they, uh, yeah, we did that for a few hours one day and then we had like a marathon eight or yeah, nine yeah. hour day. Yeah. So he had a ton of footage. Uh, he but, did a great job. Yeah. And, and Dave, has been uh, an amazing 
you know, piece of this record. He's uh, allowed use of his photography. So the album is going to be coming out on lathe cut vinyl uh, as a, you know, full length 12 inch um, uh, CD that has a six panel fold out mm. packaging and a 12 page book that includes some of the lyrics and some additional photography from David Lawler. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a, a cool, I mean, you did it just, you did such a great <laughs> job with the artwork, the, 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 the cover image is I, I think just beautiful. Um, yeah, I think that it just really uh, demonstrates a lot of the feeling of this, this album and you know it's bright but it's has some mysteriousness to it and everything like that but um but yeah you know doing some of the physical packaging i I think that it's always important to uh take an opportunity to give something that's worthwhile and and worth Mm. picking up and purchasing and being able to engage with and you know I'm, i'm just happy that we're able to do this and you know doing being able to release this through where the living room used to be and It'll be available online as well, digitally and streaming. Um, and it comes out April 15th. Um, yeah, it's just been great to be a part of this record coming out. And uh, we have a album release show April 29th at Askew with Bank of Ireland and Allison Rose. Um, yeah, can you want to talk about anything with that show? And um Oh, I'm excited for that show. Um, I just want to give a shout a shout out to every local music venue mm-hmm. owner and staff. Really do. I, I, I. The last two months, as we've discussed, has have been awfully hard with the friends and and dear musicians who 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 have died. But appreciating what they brought to our to my life and ever in, in a lot mm-hmm. of our lives, um, you know, I, I told Gregory Rourke this the the other the other day when we were there. I said, you know, just thank you for persevering through COVID. Hundred percent, yeah. And giving us a space, because otherwise we'd all be in our practice spaces. Like you need places to go to form communities. If you don't have physical locations, you're stuck on Zooms like like we like yeah. we did in COVID. But boy, that sucked. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was better than nothing, but you know, not much better than nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I just want you know everybody who who's who's doing it right now. And um, so yeah, so the show to skew, you know, um, I mean. Live shows are tough, you know. Again, I say I had I have as much fun in this room playing with you guys mm-hmm. as I do playing live. There's always a little bit of anxiety that goes into live shows. Mm-hmm. Not nervous about the performance, but just nervous about everything else, making sure you didn't forget stuff. Yeah, I get yeah. I'm an anxious guy, you know. But um <laughs> what do I think about the show? I really uh I hope there I'd love to see people. I think mm-hmm. I think that um springtime i think the spring everybody's going to want to go out i mean the, the the parlor two weeks ago that was sold out at 8 30 which i've never seen it i don't think i've ever seen it sold out but it was sold out before the show started yeah <laughs> i had to wait in line with john mccauley to get into the parlor <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's funny 
you know, yeah. but it was great. It's wonderful. Like, I hope every club is like that for the whole summer. Yes. I hope people go out. I hope young people go out. I hope young bands form because us old guys don't go out much. We can't drink and buy as much as we used to. <laughs> I hope I hope young bands. Um, mm -hmm. I hope young bands go and they can have the same sense of community that I feel right now and that I felt in my life. Um, you know, me being uh, 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 an amateur musician who, like I told Annie, Annie. We don't do this. We're never going to go be famous. We don't care. But we want to make the best music we can make mm -hmm. within all of our limitations of time and families. And, you know, that's kind of where we're at. We want to make the best music we can possibly make. We want to stay creative. We want to stay creating. And we're, and we're getting better, uh, undoubtedly. Um, and I, I want, I hope, you know, I hope younger people coming up can understand that it's just important and, and the sense of community is something that's with you in your working life and every mm -hmm. and, and it's something that's has a, an, an incredible value mm -hmm. but uh, yeah I, I and I think people will like it we have a we're we have a nice set we have wonderful musicians um, we're gonna play some I think interesting covers mm -hmm. um, that I, you know, reveals a little bit about our um, influences and, and what we like. Mm -hmm. Maybe that you wouldn't expect. You know, mm -hmm. I don't really think we can pigeonhole our band. We, I just write crazy songs, whatever I'm feeling, and you guys kind of go with it. So, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, who knows? I don't know. I guess we're Americana. Yeah. This one is a little country. I, I don't know. The next one is much different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The no, machinations are already going in yeah. my head. But yeah, the last question I have for you, part of this segment, is, um, you know, what would you say is your greatest musical accomplishment to this point? I think it's one of the last songs that I've written. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a songwriter. I, I, when I write a song I like and I can't get out of my head, I, I think it's... I'm, I get excited about it. I'm not saying it's great, but mm -hmm. it's a personal accomplishment. Mm -hmm. I still get kind of amazed when I write songs, <laughs> when I'm done a song. Because oh, okay. in my writing process, I get obsessed. It's, I can't write all the time because I, I would be a mess and not able to work. I, I get really obsessed. It's all I can listen to. I, I don't listen to other music generally. Mm -hmm. And I just stew about the songs. Oh, okay. I stew. And I have to sit down and get it out. Mm -hmm. And if and I, um, so the greatest musical accomplishment, you know, is probably, you know, one of the last songs I, I wrote that I, I I think is is real good and and, and improving. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I I'm just honored to pl have played with to be playing with such great musicians and to have played with so many, to yeah. share the stage, to have. You know, Nick come up and play a set with me and Jeremy that happened, you know, mm -hmm. recently that that was meant the world to me that we, we were able to play together and, and share sta a sh stage with with him. Mm -hmm. And I've shared stage the stage with a lot of great musicians. Um, I mean, hell, you know, Frankie couldn't play one show that we had. We were playing an outdoor festival and Stevie Donovan 
played with us. Yeah. And I asked him like three days beforehand. Yeah. He didn't know any of the songs. We didn't practice, but he got up and tore, tore the stage up. Yeah, he's awesome. To me, I mean, that's an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Just having that network I just of people. Yeah, wrote yeah. some songs and, and, and one of the best guitarists around just can walk up and play them mm -hmm. and say like, hey, I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. He's like, I liked your songs, man. They're good. Yeah. To me, like, that's kind of everything. Mm -hmm. That's all I need. Like, to me, that's, that's the best feeling in the world. You know? Well, Christian, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, this was great. I mean, you covered so much. Uh, there was a lot of history about the Providence scene that was new to me. So I, I appreciate learning that stuff. And, and I'm glad that you got to share that with everyone. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, dredging up old memories, but they're good old memories. So <laughs> most of them, most of them. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. You were looking at three to five when I watched you arrive past the garden going up my drive. You came in and we sat down, didn't say a word, you didn't make I couldn't love you like before I couldn't love you anymore So I went out to let you in When I showed up on your steps Trying to make amends for this beautiful mess And get a good story that I could stick to Said I don't like rock and roll But I don't want to stay home Just stop by on my way to someplace low Well I said I had to go out to the store To get something more than I had before you got here You took a shirt that belonged to a friend Put it on if it like well. I locked my keys inside of my ride. You know where the spare ones hide. So you went out to let me in. I found police waiting there. Suburban breeze blew through your hair. And thought of a story that I could stick to. Said I don't like rock and roll, but I don't want to stay at home. I just stopped by on my way to someplace alone. They tell me Jesus takes my kind Well, I hope he lives in 
the soul Cause that's the place I've gotta go The case is up in that cold town Now you face extradition Just another detour on your mission To get a good story that you can stick to I said I 